Welcome to the Michigan Opportunity, an economic development podcast featuring candid conversations with business leaders across Michigan. You'll hear firsthand accounts from Michigan business leaders and innovators about how the state is driving job growth and business investment, supporting a thriving entrepreneurial ecosystem, building vibrant communities, and helping to attract and retain one of the most diverse and significant workforces in the nation. Hello, I'm your host, Ed Clementi, and I'm extremely uh, privileged and fortunate to have President Roy Wilson, and I should also mention Dr. Wilson, because he is a, pra- well, I shouldn't say you're practicing anymore, but you still lecture, right, on uh, ophthalmology? I do. I do. Yes, I do. Yeah. And uh, I think I mentioned my, one of my best friend's dad was an ophthalmologist and an epidemiologist, both. I'm an epidemiologist also. I know. I I was like, well, that's why I mentioned it because I read your long bio. And obviously in this era of what we've been going through, I'm sure people even ask you just like your friends are even probably bugging you about what you can and can't do. Do I still have to keep doing this? And I know. Um, Anyway, you're the president of Wayne State University. And I really want to thank you for being here today. And you... uh, you know, this is a ridiculous question, but I'll ask it anyway. But what would you say Wayne State's biggest mission is or, you know, what you think it's important that the university represents? Yeah, actually, that's a very important uh, question. You know, every university should know what its mission is. And ours is very clear. We want to be the very top, number one, research-intensive university that um, – that is uh, highly ranked in social mobility. In fact, we want to be ranked number one in the country for social mobility for what's called R1 universities. There are three, there are different classifications of universities, and, and R1 or Research One is the highest research ranking. There are three of them in Michigan, University of Michigan, Michigan State, and Wayne State. And there's probably around 150, 60 of um, R1s around the country. And, uh, you know, there are a number of universities that do a very good job with social mobility, bring people in with low socioeconomic uh, backgrounds. And, and after a certain number of years, make sure that they, they have uh, a higher status, socioeconomic status and, and earning you know, more money. Um, but many of these universities are not R1s. And so, uh, they're, they're, so to be an R1 and to rank highly on social mobility, I, I think is unique. And, and that's what we, that, that's what we are. We're, that's, that's our mission. Yeah. And I know Carnegie Mellon does, don't they do the rankings for yeah, the Carnegie, Yeah. Carnegie yeah, does yeah. the ranking. It's, it's, it's not Carnegie Mellon, but it's, it's the Oh, just, group. okay. That's yeah, the university. Carnegie. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Right. <laughs> and so, you know, you talk about social mobility. Why don't you give sort of a layman's definition of what that means to you? Yeah, so social mobility is measured in, in different ways, but one common way of measuring is to measure what bracket you are with respect to education, not education, with respect to income when you come to school. You know, and usually it's it's like the, you know, 10th percent, 20th percent, 30th percent and so forth. And then what are you, you know, 10 years after graduation, what income bracket are you in based on tax returns? And what you want is you want to you know, rise up that, that social ladder so that if you come in in the first or second uh, decile uh, brackets, that um, 
that you end up in the, you know, somewhere in the middle class or higher. And uh, that's probably the simplest way of explaining it. How much money do you earn 10 years after you uh, graduate versus when you came in? Now, there are some universities like Harvard, for example, you're going to, you know, most Harvard graduates are going to earn a lot when, you know, 10 years after graduation. But they may not be high on social mobility because they may have come in at a very high level with family incomes that are in the, you know, in the stratosphere in some cases. Um, but, but, you know, Wayne State takes a lot of students who uh, um, are, are not well off. You know, we take a lot of uh, Pell students, meaning you know, the, the federal financial aid, about 46 percent of our students are Pell eligible. And then um, we do a good job of graduating them and making sure that they have good jobs and that they were earning a good income after a certain number of years. Yeah, I, I worked with actually your predecessor when I was in the legislature. Uh, and I know how much we would try to make sure that that mission was even you know true at that point. But I think you put a finer point on it, you know, since your administration. And, you know, there's nothing I think that solves all problems better than like, a healthy middle income class of America, right? I mean, you puts less press on all the pressure on all the other social infrastructure stuff that's needed to support that. Because if people can make a decent living wage, disposable incomes, that's kind of what you're talking about, right? Sure. And and at least that's some that's part of what higher education should do, right? I mean, that should be part of the mission of higher education. And and we're very proud to always rank in the top in Michigan in terms of uh, social mobility, but we're also highly ranked nationally. That we're ranked 46 uh, nationally, but if you just look at the R1s, we're six or seven. There are probably five or six institutions that are ahead of us. So our aim is to catch them and and get ahead of them uh, in the next five years. Yeah, we had one of your faculty actually on a podcast previous, Dr. Wiesong Shi, yeah. and he talked a lot about, you know, mobility, but mobility, automotive mobility kind of, um, yeah. but he talked a lot about computing, edge computing, and and he was one of our more popular podcasts because people were starting to really learn about what that edge computing is. And that's kind of the research things you're talking about because there's a lot of jobs for people in that field, right? Oh, absolutely. You know, we um, do a lot of research. Our research expenditures are $320 million a year. And so we do research related to everywhere from, you know, engineering to uh, health-related research. Uh, But most of the types of research we try to do is research that directly impacts the community that we're a part of. And so most of the, the kind of diseases we focus on are diseases that's prevalent in Detroit area. And as you mentioned, the, the, the research that you just mentioned, this has uh, not only local impact, but global impact. And a lot of our research has global impact. Yeah. In fact, uh, when we put his on LinkedIn, a lot of the people that responded are from around the world. So he has an interesting ecosystem on his own tied to other universities as well, overseas universities and East Asia a lot. You know, yeah, it, was, yeah. it was pretty impressive. Well, well, you know, since you mentioned around the world, I mean, part of our mission is to have both local and global impact. And what a lot of people don't realize is that Wayne State actually has a lot of international students. And um, we, act, we actually have students from, I don't know, something like 80 some countries or, or something wow. like that. 
And so, uh, and, and we have um, uh, different articulation agreements with uh, a number of uh, different countries, uh, partnerships with universities across the globe. And th that's something that's really important to me because I um, am bicultural. I, I grew up in Japan. I, and in fact, Japanese was my first language. And um, uh, so having that, that, that influence early on in life have maybe made me understand the importance of globalization, uh, understanding other cultures, and uh, being you know conversant and influent in some other uh, language. So um, you know all of this actually is um, I, I talk about in my memoir that I that I wrote during the uh, pandemic. Yeah, why don't you? Because that is unique to be born in Japan. I don't know many people, but how did? What's your path? How did? that happened or how did you get here? Or? Yeah. Well, my dad uh, was in the Navy and he got stationed in Japan uh, shortly after the Korean war and obviously met my mother. And um, uh, I was born in 1953, which was uh, you know right after the Korean war and, 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 and lived mainly with my mother for the for a while while my dad was uh, stationed in other places for a while. And so it was just me and my mother. And so I, I, I grew up um, really understanding uh, Japanese. It was my first language. Uh, about when I was about four or five years old, um, my, my dad came back to uh, Japan and was stationed um, uh, there so that uh, my mother and, and, uh, and dad could live together again. And, and I had a family. Um, but but it, but it, it was a difficult uh, childhood, and I talk about that in my memoir. The memoir is called The um, Plum Tree Blossoms Even in Winter. And the significance of the plum tree is that unlike most blossoming trees, like the cherry blossom that blossoms in May or in spring, the plum tree blossoms in the dead of winter in, in uh, February. And so the significance of that or the metaphor or the, or that is that even when times are dark and it's dreary and it's cold, that something wonderful can come out of it, something beautiful can come out of it. And uh, what, I, what I'm hoping to do from that memoir is to inspire the kind of kids that we have that come to Wayne State that have difficult uh, family circumstances, uh, difficult challenges in their lives, and to give them the message that that even though they're facing tough times, that something great can happen and to persevere. And, um, and, and that's what the plum tree is. It's a sign of perseverance and of resilience. And I will get this, but is it going to be available like on Amazon? Are you going oh, to that? Yes, oh. it's, it's available for pre-order now. So if you go on Amazon and either... Uh, type in my name, M. Roy Wilson, or or the name of the book, The Plum Tree Blossoms Even in Winter, it'll pop up. And the uh, it, it's on pre-order now, so um, uh, they're going to mail it out. I think it's the 4th of May is, is the release date. And I, I should mention the M. Why don't you give a little bit about the M? Yeah, the M is, uh, is um, well, well, let me just start off by saying that in my entire life, my name was Roy Wilson. I never had a middle initial, middle, middle name. Or anything. <laughs> I felt like I was missing something. When my mother died, uh, and she died young, um, uh, to honor her, I wanted to add a name 
a Japanese name. And, and I had found out shortly before she died that she had wanted to name me Masao, M-A-S-A-O, but my dad wasn't having any of that. So um, I decided to officially change my name. And so it's actually Masao Roy Wilson. But since I was an adult when I changed my name and everybody knew me as Roy Wilson, I used the M as uh, on all my official uh, correspondences. And all my friends still know me as Roy. You're listening to The Michigan Opportunity, featuring candid conversations with Michigan business leaders on what makes Michigan a leading state to live, work, and play. Listen to more episodes at michiganbusiness.org forward slash podcast. In a lot of your career, you served and you have and you still do like underserved populations, too. I know in the field of ophthalmology, right? Like you've traveled around the world, haven't you, for helping out? Yes, I, I've done a number of uh, major studies in the Caribbean and in uh, West Africa. Um, as, as you mentioned early on, my um, my specialty is ophthalmology and specifically glaucoma. And uh, and one of my my significant studies have been um, uh, showing that glaucoma is much more prevalent in African Americans or in blacks. Uh, than in white populations. It's well known now, but it wasn't at the time I did my study. And then doing uh, studies in, in West Africa, particularly in Cameroon, both in terms of blindness and also vitamin A deficiency in children. And I know that, uh, did you, I think you got your MD. <laughs> I, I know you've got quite a few degrees, but your MD was at Harvard, wasn't it? Yes. Medical school? Yes, yeah. that's correct, yes. Yeah, so you actually had firsthand to find out how some of that uh, financial advantage actually existed when you went to school there too for kids versus your background. Yeah. You know, talk about social mobility. I mean, you know, Harvard gave me a chance. I mean, it's, uh, you know, my parents were not well off and I had a lot of financial aid and did well for myself financially. And I, I feel very passionate that that's what education is about. And uh, that's what I'm trying to do here at Wayne State. Well, and that ties a little bit into your metaphor again about sometimes the blossom happens during the winter, not necessarily when all the other blossoms are happening. That, that's exactly right. I mean, you know, when the when the when the times are the jurious are the times that you know you have to you know, have hope and uh, keep your head up. Yeah, like the acorn that needs a forest fire to open up sometimes, right? Yeah, that's right. And, and you know, the the inspiration. It, for the book really was the stories that I hear about the students that come to Wayne State all the time. I mean, it's just, it's just heartbreaking, but, um, you know, somehow they, they persevere, you know, somehow they, they want to continue to uh, stay and get their education and, um, and the obstacles that they have to overcome is, um, is just really impressive. And so I, I thought I'd want to tell my story, um, you know, because, they're such an inspiration to me that I wanted to be an inspiration to them also. Yeah. I, uh, I think I told you I was a trustee for Wayne County community college and I had uh, part of my district was Southwest Detroit, but you know, Dr. Ivory, you know, it's a very similar story there too, you know, with, it's not so much that kids, you know, really aren't interested, but they've never had the exposure to role models or to other opportunities that a lot of us just take for granted sometimes. No, absolutely. No, he's, he's a great role model. Absolutely. And, 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 and Wayne County Community College, uh, 
does a lot of what I'm talking about in terms of social mobility also. You know, they take a lot of kids who um, don't have too many other opportunities and um, give them an opportunity to get into the middle class. Yeah, and and I think that that's really gotten more sunshine in the last probably 10 years than it's ever had before. We've had guests, and I'm sure some of your people are probably working on this, sort of like building out sort of broadband to urban communities that you would think should have some sort of internet. Like we found that out during the pandemic, how many kids at home now had to take their classes online? Yeah, and the disparity, um, I'm really concerned that the pandemic has had a a real disparate um, um, impact on minority communities versus uh, non-minority communities. You know, they're just it's, it's just a fact of life that not everyone has uh, access to, to Internet and have access to a, a quiet room where they could, um, you know, take a class um, remotely. And, um, and, and all of that came to light, I think, uh, with the pandemic when everything was so suddenly switched from in-person to uh, remote instruction. Or even really, if you think about it, most people have access to a cell phone or a smartphone, but you realize a lot of the formatting, just simple technical things can't be done on a phone. No, absolutely not. I mean, you know, the, the way teaching is done now, even um, the way virtual teaching is done now, it, it's, it's so sophisticated with so much technology that even I, as uh, you know, I've been teaching for a long time, uh, but not virtually. I would have a very difficult time with the technology. So it's, it's very sophisticated and the uh, it's, it's not the kind of thing that you can just put on your phone. And, you know, a couple of things here, and you've touched on a few of them, but do you see any sort of major challenges or trends on the horizon that not only for your institution, but for the demographics too you're looking for? You just touched on one with sort of the digital divide, but uh, anything else you see coming on the horizon for us? Yeah, I think the um, the type of education that people need is is going to be different. It's uh, the workforce is going to be different, and the needs are going to be different. We can see, for example, that not you know everyone uh, benefits equally with um, a traditional education. Perhaps you know maybe uh, having. Uh, stacked credentials and, and is is a way for you know some individuals or, or some sort of skills, and uh, I think we have to be much more flexible in meeting people where they are and and helping them get the education that they need for an increasingly complex world. You know, it's just not enough to get a high school degree uh, anymore and, and just go out and get a job. You've got to have some other credentials. And uh, I'm a real advocate for higher education. I believe in four-year degrees. Um, but one thing I've noticed, uh, and partly because of the pandemic, is that you know there are a lot of people out there who've taken some uh, college but didn't finish, and they're adults now, and they also want to uh, come back and finish the, getting their degrees. And their needs are a little bit different than the 17- or 18-year-old kid who just came straight out of uh, high school. I mean, we cater to that also. And in fact, that, that's the main type of students that, that we have. But, but I think we have to be very flexible and um, uh, be able to meet other types of students where they are. You know, particularly since the high school demogra- the demographics are not that there are more high school 
our graduates in Michigan has become, you know, they're becoming uh, less. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. No, the trend is is going in the opposite direction than we would like in higher ed. No, absolutely. There are less uh, students uh, graduating from from high school in places like Michigan. Wow, that's that's interesting. I um I think, and you probably have. I know you've done this many times, but. If you could maybe even let's make it simpler for yourself, but if you could go back and talk to your high school self, or I know you do the commencement speeches, but uh, what would you tell yourself? You know more about maybe so EQ versus maybe IQ. What would you tell yeah. yourself? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, there's probably two things. You know, one thing that I say all the time is that you know don't pick your career based on. Uh, financial expectations. Uh, pick your career because of passion, because of something that you really are passionate about, because the finances will come along if you really enjoy what you're doing, put your heart into it, become really good at it. Everything else will come along. So passion has got to be what drives your career and not not finances. And, and, and I suppose the, the other thing and something which I wish I had done a better job of when I was younger is to is to be in the moment and give people who you're talking to or who you're interacting with your undivided attention. And, um, you know, a lot of us, we we're, we're thinking about the next thing when we're talking to someone. We're not in that moment where we're somewhere else. Um, and I regret that because um, I, I think, first of all, people deserve your undivided attention, but you get to learn so much more about people. And I think you have a richer, fuller life but that way. Yeah, but that is really hard to do. Don't I wouldn't be too hard on your high school self. I, I, I think sometimes I always, you know, that's something that really does come with experience. So and right. to really realize Oh, I should have enjoyed myself more. I should have taken more trips or I should have talked to my family more or whatever it yeah, was. Right. Yeah. And, but that's a challenge, but I think hearing it at least should make you more conscious. Like people should think about that, but it's with the, with the phone in your hand, it's harder and harder. I think. <laughs> I, I think you're absolutely right. It is harder and harder. And uh, you, you, you go out to dinner now and you see people sitting at a, same table, you know, texting each other. Yeah, I know. Well, we're down to the last question. uh, And this is a simple one. Sure. And uh, let me put a plug in uh, for you too, that, you know, Wayne State, I've done a lot of work with uh, your university, especially the international. um, And we've uh, done, I'm on Global Ties Detroit and I just want to compliment you for all the work Wayne State's done with us on. We're bringing international students into you know, Southeast Michigan. But I also want to uh, ask, what would you think, you've been here a while now, what is your favorite thing about Michigan? I mean, what do you like doing? Is there a festival? Is it? Well, you know, I'll tell you that uh, the weather is not my favorite thing. (laughs) (laughs) You're from Japan. Well, you get cold weather in Japan when you grew up, right? Yeah, but that was a long time ago when I was there. (laughs) No, you know, seriously, um, you know, what I really like about Michigan, particularly the Detroit area, and it may be this that way uh, in other parts of Michigan also, is, is just the people, the um, uh, the innovation, the entrepreneurship, um, the, the, the spirit, the can-do uh, spirit, the, you know, Detroit versus everyone kind of uh, scrappy, uh, 
may not do it the way everyone else does it, but you know, we're going to get it done kind of mentality. And, and I just love that. Yeah. We, uh, we have a chip on our shoulder, but we don't, it's not a real chip. It's just, we always know we're working from a handicap a little bit. So we work harder, I think. <laughs> yeah. A and, little scrappy, you know, a little gritty. Yeah. I, I think all that's good. Yeah, no, I keep things up, interesting. I I grew up in that kind of neighborhood. Trust me, I I saw a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, you're doing a tremendous job at Wayne State University, and I know uh, you have a challenge, always, you know. But I think at the same time, I think everybody's proud, and uh, people, you know, I think you're doing a great job too. So keep up the good work. And once again, our guest, you know, again was President Roy Wilson, also Doctor Wilson. Uh, but thank you very much for taking time and good luck with the new book. And I hope it keeps, uh, get a lot of people get a hold of it for you. Well, thank you very much. This was enjoyable. I appreciate the invitation. Thank you. Uh, you're a nice guy. We appreciate you taking time to talk to us today. Tune in to our next guest, former mayor of Kalamazoo, Bobby Hopewell, and his unique business in the mobile health industry. Plus, he knows Yankees and Derek Jeter. The Michigan Opportunity is brought to you by the Michigan Economic Development Corporation. Join us and make your mark where it matters. Visit michiganbusiness.org forward slash radio to put your plans in motion.